Welcome back. Welcome to Joker Men. Today we have a guest who um, needs no introduction, and we're going to talk about something which needs an introduction because it's um, really, really <laughs> awful, and um, you probably haven't heard of it. And it, it's important. It's it's necessary. It's necessary that we do this episode because we've talked a lot about how Bob Dylan is um, good at making music and good at performing, and some people would say that that at times he's uh, not he's not so today we're going to talk about what may be the the consensus pick among the Bob International for for the worst Bob Dylan show <laughs> and it's called uh Bob Dylan Stuttgart 1991 sure is I'm Evan I'm Ian and our guest is uh an actor from the Fantastic Four movie is <laughs> Tim Heidecker. I love it. I am so happy to be here. I am nervous. I'm actually quite nervous because I'm I'm a fan of your podcast and I'm a fan of Bob Dylan. And I feel like uh, I'm going to clam up or I'm going to for- I'm, I've become very forgetful. And I I just hope I can deliver you guys. And also, I just like. I I love I'm a fan I'm a super fan of Bob and I feel like I'm I know his work very well but I'm not where you guys are at so and I just hope it doesn't turn into like I don't know I just love it like I hope we have a good conversation so I'm just nervous we devolve into I don't know I <laughs> yeah. just love it very <laughs> yeah. often so you'll fit like right it's in it's an here. unofficial catchphrase okay. on the podcast of what is there to say uh, <laughs> what more yeah, is there to say right what um what are some of your favorites. I mean, I only have the greatest hits, okay. <laughs> but I love it. I love every song on that thing. It's so catchy. No, um, <laughs> I mean, I think there's not really an era that I don't love. I love, um, uh, I just, you know, I like everybody go through different periods uh, that I list, I go back to more and more. I mean, what? Don't I love is better, what have you been but, into lately? What like what's your recent Bob uh, spinning like? You know, I I have to say the I keep rewatching the um, the Rolling Thunder review film that's he and he and Scorsese made. Mm-hmm. Sure, um, and that's got me into listening to that era a little more. I I love speaking of live performances that those live performances I think are probably his best I would think out of everything I think they're, they're pretty wild they're insanely good um I you know I had a, f- a great experience uh, a couple like a month ago my dad was in town and my dad is a fan of Bob Dylan but he doesn't always keep up with what's going on and um I wanted him to listen to um the murder most foul which I sure. I re- initially like listened to Murder Most Foul and and hated it, and was like, "Oh man, this fucking guy is like, this is the corniest shit." Like, I don't, I'm not on board with some of these rhymes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and but then I have to, I I'm not a big druggie, but I was in Palm Springs with some friends and had a little marijuana. Oh. And and we're sitting outside and had a drink or two and we're like, let's listen to this again. I want to listen to this again with you guys. And we listened to it again and it was a whole other experience. 
And so then I sat with my dad and I was like, let's, I want you to listen to this on, on like headphones and I'll listen to it on headphones too. It's, this is, we are not, this is to- stone cold sober in the middle of the day. Um, but my dad is like a boomer. He like grew up and, you know, went to college in the sixties. Like, and I was like, I bet this is really going to hit him hard. And just watching him, because it's a beautiful piece of, it's a masterpiece. Now I, now I see it as like a masterpiece. Absolutely. On many levels, like musically, sonically, you know, it's sort of like the gra- the last great work of a master. And it feels that way. It feels like I'm, this is my final thesis, my final statement. Right. And he was very moved by it. And I was moved to, to sort of experience it with him or, or share it with him. Because for him, he was like, he just described my whole, wow, you know, my whole generation. Like he did, he, you know, so he was blown away. So I don't know. Um, that was my, that's been my latest. Uh, and I, I enjoy all of uh, rough and, and rowdy ways. And then I was listening to you guys talk about one of my, I think this is in my top 10 Dylan records is, um, uh, love and theft. And so yes. I re- and I loved that conversation you had. So I went back and, and was digging that record again. And that's just really, I think that record was, I'd always been a fan growing up. Uh, and then th- that record, I was an adult when that came out officially an adult, like working and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm with together through life with this Bob Dylan guy. Like I love, <laughs> there is no like, separation between his his older work or his newer work to me it's like it's a whole he he's not one of those like retro artists for me that like is still doing it because there's a market for it like he's still he still seems to always have something to say and he's on a journey and we're along with it so exactly well, and it's just saying. as vital today as it was in 1962 it's it's remained well you know it it has it has become just as vital once well, again well i i don't know i yeah. think that it's sort of like when you have somebody it's such a rare position that he's in you have somebody who's been actively creating and setting the template for culture so like it's not even a question of is it relevant is it retro is it old is it new it's just like he's still uh, setting a bar on on some level for songwriters and like it's been really cool mm-hmm. on our podcast to have so many guests uh who are in in music and in other cultural corners and you're a good example of someone who's in both who it's like clear anybody who's serious at all about music or about any art form is like still being influenced by whatever this 80 year old man has to say yeah the other thing that that occurs to me about him is and maybe this is an obvious point, but like older Dylan, like Dylan in his 70s and now 80, almost feels more uh, connected to what he wants to do than when he was 23. Like, right. Because mm-hmm. when he was 23 and 25, like he was trying to be this sort of old blues man, old folk guy, you know, like he had this like older energy to him and some of the blues. So like it's I'm not I guess I'm not even. I'm less a fan of sort of his earlier work uh, for that, like sort of the mid sixties, like, like blues rock that he kind of, you know, founded really, or like was a big part of, you know, bringing it all back home and highway 61 and that stuff. Like 
that stuff is the word sounds better like performed by a 75 year old man than it does a 25 year old man you know what i mean are you saying that he was so much older then and that he is uh you could say younger than that now younger than that now. (laughs) yeah yeah exactly well, um, we uh, are ostensibly here to talk about uh, the in- the infamous uh, Stuttgart 91 show here. Uh, I don't know how <laughs> in-depth we're going to be able to get into it because mm-hmm. it is sort of just a mess uh, from beginning to end. Um, but, uh, I think it, it'll, it'll serve as sort of a backbone of, mm-hmm. uh, of this, of this wide ranging, uh, and deep conversation. Uh, do you, do you have any initial thoughts, uh, Tim, at least on this insane version of new morning at the beginning of this show? Well, that's news to me that it's new morning. That's the the point of this. A lot of is is the way he re, reconstructs, deconstructs, reconstructs, reconstructs his own material to become unknowable to people. I mean, I listened to the set a couple times per your request. Thank um, you, dear Lord. That's, you know, that's the correct know, amount of times to listen to. Just yeah, a couple. I, I don't exactly know how to separate it from any other like. Uh, from from many other performances from the past 50, 20 years of him like like maybe this one is has a weird mix to it cuz like you're hearing sometimes like maybe some of his live stuff is mixed where you're taking some of his free flowing piano uh or guitar work out of the mix the band always sounds great like no matter Absolutely. what is going on i don't know that i really fully will ever understand what he's thinking about the way he phrases things now, the way he changes things now. I'm sure, I know he's talked about it, how he says, I guess in Chronicles, that like he found this new way of playing his material that made it exciting for him, right? I mean, right, I mean exactly. it's been a while, yeah, he, but... Like reconnected with it. He, he couldn't get into it like in the mid-late 80s and then he found his way back to it. Well, right. now nowadays... It's like taken for granted because he's able to do that in such a seamless way and has been for like a long time that uh, it feels like second nature to hear that in you and you're you can train your ear to like follow it. But um, I guess the point of uh, talking about this specific show is uh, in part because it's important to recognize that that is not something that happened like right away in Bob Dylan's career. Uh, It wasn't like right it didn't always have such a smooth and effortless feel. And this particular night in Germany, um, in, in July or in, what is it? Uh, June, June of uh, June. Yeah. June of 1991. It doesn't really work, uh, to most people's ears. The video is called, this is not Bob Dylan's right. worst show. Right. So there's <laughs> going into, you're going into this video with like already context for this show that, exists somewhere else that I don't even know. I haven't been part of that 
debate yet. Well, I think but. that that's exactly the point that whoever uh, the the wonderful person who uploaded this was it Never Ending Bob fan who uploaded this. Yes, yeah, it was. Uh, bless you, uh, Never Ending Bob fan. I think that <laughs> what the point they're making is that uh, a lot of people have called this uh, his worst show, and Bob fan is is preemptively saying, uh, "Hey, watch your mouth. You know, if this isn't so bad." Right. And and it's not so bad always, but if if you aren't um, like in it in the can for Bob, then you'll probably be deeply confused. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a uh, quote here from a post on uh, the Bob Dylan uh, analysis internet stalwart expectingrain.com, and uh, this was from someone who was at this show. And uh, just to set the stage a little bit, I'll I'll read it. Uh, the small man with the straw hat who actually looked quite like a hobo and who, as we figured out, must have been Bob Dylan maybe a long time ago, began to sing or rather to mumble a few words or lines, but whatever he was doing or trying to do could not be called singing. The song or the rhythm of the thing or whatever it was went on, but there was no development, no progression, and the man in the straw hat didn't deliver more words, and thus nobody had a clue what kind of song was being performed, if it was a song at all. Finally, it turned out to be a song, but just because it was so much longer than it could be to be an intro. It took some eight minutes until the band was able to finish the kind of noise they delivered. It took me years to find out that the song was supposed to be New Morning. After that, which was quite a shock, supposed things could be. only get better. <laughs> at least that's what I thought, but I was wrong. Pretty harsh words from uh, expectingrain.com. You know what I have to say, though, to that is if you listen, if you listen to the audience uh, in that recording, they seem to be having a great time. Like the, They're loving it. The, the cheering for the encore is like five minutes, which is weird that they keep it in there in the video because they seem to cut other moments. But, you know, there, there seems to be a terrific enthusiasm for him. And I don't know how much that is just, you know, coasting on the spectacle of that's the legend in front of me, not right. really caring about the content itself, but I don't know. It, it might've, well, I mean, according to that person, it was not good to be there, but I've been to a few of the, I mean, I've been to these, a few of these later era shows. And yeah. Do you have any, uh, fond memories of, uh, not, not fond. Alive? No, not fond. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't, yeah. It's like you're, you're in a, I'm in a, the, the, the last time I saw him, I'm in some kind of arena, not with great seats. Uh, right. He's he's standing uh, standing at a keyboard. Yeah, at the piano. Uh, at the piano. Yeah, at the piano, and maybe a couple of songs. Like the later era songs, kind of work because it feels like they're a little closer to the way they sound on the record. And, on the record, and right. I I don't even need stuff. I don't like it when st- you know stuff just sounds like they are on the record, but. It, there just feels like sometimes it feels like there's a I just got to get through this feeling to his performances, especially with right. the with the way he phrases things. He's cramming every line of a of a stanza into the last beat of a song and right. like waiting to like the la- very last minute to like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just annoying. It's like you uh, know? automobiles coming into style, going to get into a country matter too. <laughs> and it's new moon. there's a, a, a couple yeah. moments on this where he it's, he actually does like a few flourishes with his voice to get, generously call it that like 
that that actually have like a bit of a, a Tim Heidecker uh, quality to them. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I think I'll plug one in here, but there's one in particular where he says "New Morning" in like a certain way. I'll just say. In a new morning. In a new yeah. morning. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I also think it's fascinating that he's uh, able to remember all the words and. And par- what's fascinating to me about that is like part of remembering words is like a, your brain associates it with a with the rhythm and the melody like that. Like uh, we tried to do this thing once backstage where we tried to sing Beatles lyrics with different melodies and it I becomes really, song. really hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. Great. So like uh, that. Yeah. My brain at least like attaches melodies and lyrics all together. So like it's it, his brain should be studied by science for many years after his death it's possible that like the way that he found uh, in in the as the story goes to figure out how to do these songs once more and make them interesting is he just like discovered that he can make it into a like a fun game for himself doing something like that right like he's got some sort of like mental rubik's cube of words right we don't have any evidence that he uses teleprompters, right? I don't. Oh no, I ever don't. see no. that. Yeah, I think he's I mean, he's just up there rattling them all off. Yeah. That would uh, mean that a teleprompter has to be operated by somebody who is able to see into the future <laughs> and like <laughs> and like have like a four right, or five right. dimensional uh, perception. Yeah, I mean, you could you could potentially have like a, a like a a library of all lyrics and he starts, well, I guess he is to call it. Uh, yeah. It doesn't, doesn't really work. This version yeah. of, of, of new morning, which I, I'll just describe briefly if I can. It's like really aggressively propulsive on the, on the kit, almost to like a, like mm-hmm. a Krautrock type of level. Maybe that's what he was going for. Cause he was in Germany. He was just like, yeah. Danke yeah. Shane. I like when he Dunk goes, Shane. He's done this like a few times. There's actually a great, really high quality video of a show like a couple days before or after this show, uh, also Mm. in Germany, where you can tell a little bit more like what what they're going for with this version. But I've watched a few and I've heard a few recordings of this 1991 version of New Morning, which is like a weird song for him to play. He's not played it a lot, period. Um, And it never really works. But uh, Ian is a big fan of it. I know that. I think it's cool. Like, I honestly, like the whole, like, this is, you know, obviously there's a reputation of this as being one of his worst shows. Like, I, I, I almost can't even, like, com- comprehend of Bob live recordings at this point as, like, good or bad. They're all just, right. like, interesting to me at this point. Like, just different steps along the way, you know? And, like, sometimes it's more successful than others. Um, and sometimes it's, like, the greatest thing you've ever heard. Uh, but it's all like it's all just like it's all good to uh, it, to steal a, a song title. Is this sort of the um, the his his core band now that he's working with, like the 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 guys that end up playing with him for the next twenty years, or is it just a mishmash? 
It's it's some of them. I know uh, Tony Garnier is on the base uh, at mm-hmm. this point, uh, and he's still with him up until today. He's I think his longest running um, member of the band. I don't know uh, for the rest. Of, I should have done some research into who exactly was here. Uh, Winston Watson might be on the drum kit at this point. He was a great early mid '90s drummer of Bob's, um, who isn't with him anymore. Um, but I don't know if he was here quite yet. Mm. But yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a. Um, a very different kind of band, a very different kind of sound than he has even just like three, four years later. Cause like mm-hmm. time out of mind comes very shortly, uh, after this record, Jonathan Rado's, uh, very favorite record time out of mind. Yeah. Just to go back to what you guys were saying a second ago, like about, I can't imagine not enjoying on some level this concert. It's like we have, I think when you get this deep into it, the novelty is enough to just make me like happy to hear a weird version of any of these songs. Right. 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 Exactly. But it, it's, it's specifically 1991 is like a, a period like early nineties is interesting. Cause this is like right around when Dylan was just doing like releasing these acoustic uh, records that were just like old folk songs. Right. Well, it's right before he's releasing the, the acoustic record. Right. Frog, Froggy come a court. Yeah. Froggy, froggy, froggy come a Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next to come in was a broken black bee. Danced a jig with the bumblebee bee. Uh-huh. <laughs> a little black bug. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's weird just to see like, okay, like, well, what would the tour, what would the touring outfit be like during a time when, when, Dylan is just like releasing Froggy went a court and, and uh, the answer is it's kind of neither here nor there it's kind of, it's just like a weird <laughs> sort of twilight zone of of music and I love that because it's it feels like anything can happen I, I kind of think this is why he does the, those kind of folk records is because this is this is all he's capable of at this moment like in 1991 like he's doing these weird versions of these songs clearly people aren't thrilled with them like he just put out under the red sky he's got wiggle yeah. wiggle on this set uh evan you described him as being in wiggle, in wiggle mode, mode for the yeah. show which i think I'm it, it <laughs> is very fond it, of that concept it's a concept <laughs> that i think actually shines through on this recording this is wiggle mode yes so he he's sort of like in a in a twilight zone period of his career like he's in a, a downward he's in a an ebb yes right? yeah absolutely yes low tide low tide a Schrodinger's cat period, I like to think. It's like he, he's in one of these periods where he is releasing stuff that's not bad and it's not what everybody wants to hear, but he's about to release stuff like uh, like the next full record. Oh, Mercy? Uh, no, that had happened. Oh, Mercy had been right before. Oh, Mercy, this. right, okay. Which was his later later I, era I think, kind of? I think Oh, oh Mercy is fantastic. Yeah, right? absolutely. Great. Yeah, Oh Mercy is great, but that was just kind of a. It's such a weird record because it just kind of comes out of the blue. You know, Lanois takes care of that, obviously, and right. then he comes back in Time Out of Mind. But, like, it, it's totally out of the blue in terms of sound and songwriting. Like, it's way beyond what he was doing right before it with Down in the Groove and Brownsville, right. or excuse me, and Knocked Out Loaded. And it's way beyond what comes after with, um, with Red Sky. Right. Um, so he's just, like, very suddenly hits this, like, moment of inspiration and he's got most of the time and ring them bells and stuff on there and then he's just right back into the depths this is 18 months after that <laughs> everything's broken is on that record too right yeah. everything is broken exactly i mean those three songs are like top tier i think it's yeah i've grown to really love it and just to sidetrack the conversation a little bit uh, and bring it back to you tim well you made a couple dylan songs you actually also write bob dylan music yeah, yeah. 
It's a hobby. You did one as a competitive gesture, which was to create a Bob Dylan Titanic song before Bob Dylan could do it. And um, you succeeded. And it's actually, I think, a little bit longer than the Bob Dylan. A little bit longer. A, few seconds. a little longer. Is it a little bit better? And when Cameron took the prize, his head must have swirled. About the podium, he said, I'm the king of the world. It's, I think, yeah, at least equal, equally as good. And the other one, Running Out the Clock. I just want to, want to reference Running Out the Clock. From Bob Dylan's uh, very well-known and famous Super Bowl halftime performance a few years ago. Well, I say the food we eat is not even fit for a dog. But they sell it to you wholesale and you walk around in a farm. Might just sell your stock. Well, we're all just running out the climb. Running out the climb. It's the only thing left to do. Running out the climb. Running out the I think that one, I was specifically looking at Infidels uh, and a little bit of like the Mark Knopfler sound. Because sure. I think Mark Knopfler was playing on Infidels, right? Right. Yep. It's produced. Um, produced, yeah. And, and I think that that idea was inspired by just thinking about what, like how crazy it would be to see Bob Dylan play the Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> like, and how sp- how crazy it is that that's crazy because... He's like his contemporaries have his contemporary his contemporaries have all done it successfully, right? Um, and what's different about him is that he is so different and he is so strange. And what is I mean, it was just ne- it would never happen. But it's funny to think of him doing like the ninety one set at the Super Bowl. At the you Super Bowl. <laughs> playing wiggle wiggle at the super yeah. Bowl. the only artist of his level that like could that i think you can easily find him playing a show like the one we were just talking about in 91 like there's not really other like there's no mccartney show that's like famously uh completely in, indecipherable is there no, I mean, certainly not McCartney. He would never allow that to. There's not that happen. many other guys who are like are, are artists. Period. Who are just like at that level who let themselves be seen this way so frequently. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I, I can imagine there must be some insane, like Van Morrison performances from certain eras where you're <laughs> Joker, just like Jokerman favorite. Yeah. I love. Van. Yeah, like what are what are you doing, dude? What is that? Have you uh, listened to the the latest Van Morrison record, Tim? Yes, it's well. I can't say I've listened to all of it. I'm too fascinated by the the album artwork. Oh yeah, it's, it's a it's a work like, of outsider art. Yeah, it's like you know what it looks like. It's like one of those Apple generated 
uh, playlist for like working out or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> Just like cover art made by an algorithm. Yeah, yeah. and there's so it's many bizarre. videos and like music and like visual assets of it. Like you see, they've all done all these things where like on Spotify or whatever, you see like a stupid like repeating flash animation in that same style. Uh-huh, yeah. It's just like a bouncing ball yeah. or like some guy rowing a boat. I mean, his, you know what? I mean, the subject matter is, is vile and he, and the music is like, so, uh, like garage band blues, yeah. uh, samples. But his voice is still really good. And like, yeah. surprisingly, like his voice is like, as sounds very similar to the way it sounded in like 1972. If you, it's crazy. Van goes a sort of different route where like he never performs very shambolically, but his mind becomes different. <laughs> his, his mind has become a little shambolic. Yeah. I mean, I've heard he's just a terrible, he's like just a troll of a man, just like a bad, <laughs> bad guy to be around. But I love, I mean, I love uh, the, I have a bootleg. I'm not a big bootleg guy, but I, I've had this bootleg for years of him at the, uh, like a right after, right after Astro Weeks, right before Moondance set i think it, there's a ver- there's an official release too late to stop now oh yes but there's there's like a bootleg from the uh what's the bill the bill graham venue that everyone would play at the fillmore the fillmore the fillmore east and it's van morrison it's like one of the most exciting fucking live recordings i've ever heard so i love him but yeah, this latest stuff can go fuck itself. <laughs> well, it, it tells you to fuck yourself too. Yeah. yeah <laughs> yes. Yeah. But let's get back to Bob. Back to Bob. Uh, well, what else do we have on this uh, this set list? Do we uh, want to go through got, like highlights, uh, or I don't know if it's worth it to go through everything. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that we can kind of touch on each and every one. I, the, but there's a couple fun songs I kinda, on. I kind of dig that list. I, I think I dig the. Uh, Mr. Tambourine Man version here. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. feel like it's got a, a cool, like, acoustic guitar groove to it. Mm-hmm. Um, That's like way mid into the set. Early on in the set, you've got, um, I think, a really fun uh, jam on um, Shelter from the Storm, which has like Shelter the, from the ja- storm. jauntiest mm. version of Shelter from the Storm. It has this great moment at the beginning where, like, Everything cuts out and, and there's sort of a false start, and you just hear the snare drum go, and it like it, it's, it sounds like one of those uh, shreds videos. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Came in from the wilderness, a creature void of form. Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. There's some great. Banter, I guess you could call it. What do we, yeah, what do we call it? Banter? Donka Shane. Donka Shane. How about this one? How about uh, your song's about fashion? Yeah. <laughs> anybody here? Anybody here like fashion? This is my fashion song. Anybody here, anybody here that's into fashion? You know, like clothes? Oh, yeah. Clothes. I see you got your brand new leopard skin pillbox. <laughs> he does sound pretty like run down or something he yeah he's yeah. definitely having a hard time it seems yeah like. maybe he can't hear himself like i don't uh, he said i don't i really i'm gonna push back slightly tim because i when you listen to this show that like happened like two days before or after like it's the same set list and everything like something was uh-huh. weird this night i think um 
right. particularly. There's a moment before Wiggle Wiggle where he uh, says, this song uh, sold a lot of copies and it's going to sell a lot more. <laughs> so, a song from my latest album sold a lot of copies. So wait, what, what what's Wiggle Wiggle on Under the Red Sky? First song on Under the Red Sky, yeah. Okay, yeah. And uh, infamously, Bob brought Slash in to mm. play on the song. Uh, Under the Red Sky had a bunch of weird, random uh, guests and stuff: Bruce Hornsby and George Harrison and Elton oh, John. Wow. Uh, and Slash was in on Wiggle Wiggle. And then right before the record came out, Bob just cut that version because uh, mm. he didn't like the way Slash played guitar on Wiggle Wiggle. <laughs> and he had to, <laughs> had to go back into the studio for uh, for that masterpiece. Is there, a re- is there a bootleg of that that you can hear what Slash did? Is that There probably? is a bootleg of it yeah. somewhere, yes. Right. yeah. I, I haven't uh, sussed it out yet, but uh, it does exist somewhere out cool. there in the ether. Could we talk, uh, could we sideline and talk quickly about bootlegs just in oh, terms yeah. of official boot i mean i think the official bootlegs are most of a lot of them stand like toe to toe with the official releases like 100 percent. i feel like i feel like another another self-portrait first of all is better than Mm self-portrait as a listen for me like that release is blows my mind it's like it's so great i think that's uh it seems like everybody in the know kind of recognizes that that is like definitely one of the best bootleg releases and i think we all are in agreement about that it's it's so pretty i turn it on to so many people uh as much as i can i'm like you you should if you this is almost like a good new entry point for dylan because it's so uh intimate and and like different than you're used to hearing him he's not really sneering like i get like I, i think there's like a there's a I understand like why people don't like Bob Dylan. And I think one of them is sort of that sneering sound of his, right. you know, and there's, there's so much of his body of work that isn't like that at all that you can, if you don't feel like dealing with that or having that in your ears or being kind of preached at or yelled at, um, then there's like lots of, lots of ways to experience him like that record. But, you know, you know, another great, the new uh the bootleg series that's the blood on the tracks one mm-hmm. is like you got those the first series of demos where he's mm-hmm. in just playing them for in the new york yeah and it's like a different guy it's like yep. a different performance i mean you know what else i love telltale signs oh yeah the, we just did two we've been going uh, through that on patreon recently two episodes on the first two discs so far and it's yeah. so good yeah there's there's so many versions of uh Dignity on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Batman but, looking at a Ferris wheel. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, they've done such a great job with that. And then, so I was like 20 years ago, I had somebody, somebody had made me like a, an actual bootleg of something. And I think it was stuff from the Infidels series uh, album or around that period. Right. And I, I there's this version of, him covering um, "Angel Flying Too Close to the Ground," which is a Willie Nelson song. Whoa! Yes, that I is that. one of my favorite things. I've never, I've never been able to find it. But I'm wondering what the. I mean, we could just sort of uh, maybe you guys know, but like uh, sort of pontificate on uh, or, or prognosticate what what's coming next. Oh well, well apparently this year the the next one is supposed to be the Infidels material. Oh yeah, well, so, so there you go. There you go. I mean. 
we may very well hear that, that and like very uh, many versions. Hopefully, I'm praying of. Hopefully, there's of just a jo- hundred yeah. versions of Joker Man. I could do with that. I'd, <laughs> yeah, I'd be happy. You, you guys have a field day. Exactly. Yeah, uh, Infidels is great. Uh, we've uh, recently, just the last couple of days, Evan and I have been kind of going back and forth on um, the thirteenth volume of the Bootleg series, where it was all the live material from the Christian era. There's a couple ah, of incredible yeah, yeah. live sets in there: one from '79, uh-huh. one from '81. That are just like, man, the band he had there. Jim Keltner was on the drums there. Oh, cool! Uh, you know, member should... of the uh, Foxygen Extended Family. Yeah, um, I, I didn't dig into that one too deeply because the Christian stuff isn't probably as not not your favorite my to- not my favorite period although i mean i do like i like uh what's the second one saved say uh yeah i like saved i think the best yeah is that weird i don't think that i think that's kind of unpopular i mean i think uh slow train is generally thought of as the the the, the best like, one the best yeah. one but i the best song from that era pressing on is on saved uh, and what right. can i do that's for you is on song. that saved yeah. the song is great there's some yeah. really high points on that record while, while we're for talking sure. about the bootlegs and just the idea of the bootlegs I, I would like to bring up just the some of the non-official bootlegs which to me uh <laughs> i think um are have been sort of one of the the most fun things to discover during our time doing the podcast uh, if you just like spend a f- some time looking at these uh, non-official bootlegs on like Bob's Boots is a website, or um, I'm mm-hmm. sure you can find them on various other blogs. Some of them just have like incredible titles. There's one that's called Sensei, and it has this um, <laughs> this sort of uh, Oriental uh, style uh, <laughs> font. Um, there's, yeah, the there's title one... is in the font of a sushi restaurant from Omaha that opened oh, in wow. 1995. <laughs> um, there's uh, one called uh, The Empire Strikes Back. There's one with this mm-hmm. like awful um, sort of caricature style thing. Vaguely um, anti-Semitic. <laughs> I, uh, slightly. Are, what are they? What are, are they live things? Yeah, these are, are live shows. Um, this is what right. what real Bob fans put out. Um, of course, fans of the show know that a couple of our favorites are um, called "Absolutely Sweet California." That's one of my favorite mm-hmm. ones, like "Absolutely Sweet Marie," the Bob Dylan song. Right. And mm-hmm. um, then there's also uh, there's Europe Modern Times, like the album mm-hmm. Modern Times. Don't forget oh. about uh, positively West Fifty Second Street. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think the one I'm not nuts about, and I don't, I probably don't listen to it very often, is the Blonde on Blonde one. Um, the cutting the, edge. The cutting edge. Yeah, the cutting edge. There's just it's just one of those like take after take of the same song, blues, and it's just so much blues and so much Mike Bloomfield ripping it, and like uh, I don't know. I just at that period, it's kind of like maybe the period i go back to the least lately just sort of that yeah. the blues sneering uh judgmental bob playing right. essentially just like rock like chuck berry riffs you know right like, yeah i mean that bob era Bo- that era is like not almost not even like like the bootleg series is not designed for that era basically because mm-hmm. like that the stuff is the marrow has been sucked dry from yeah. his bones at this point and he you know? wasn't in the studio for very long for those exactly. recordings yeah. he would pop in for like a week and there's no time for they'd work a song a day no or not no. in the way you it's get on like, these later ones where it's like well why don't we try this one like a waltz or let's like add right. like a sort of trip hop drum thing it's not a right right uh, as like varied, but, um, it's still good stuff. But I mean, that's kind of why we 
even initially formatted this show to not cover that stuff. Like we just wanted it to be like right. starting off with the the beginnings of the post sneer phase, you know, like that's yeah. like that's the no, stuff you're I into mean, when you're a teen and then as you grow up you have less to prove, Bob is the, has less to prove and it feels more natural sometimes to get Exactly. Into. Yeah, he becomes more enigma- enigmatic too and like more interesting the older he gets i think um i mean there's i don't know like i'm wondering like if scorsese will continue to make movies about bob dylan because like that the first two the first what is it called uh no direction Direction home Home. really stops at 66 right with the motorcycle accident and then the the um the rolling, sec- the, rolling, sorry, the rolling Thunder kind of picks up where that left off in a way. I mean, they skip over some of the some of the like basement tape stuff, but you know, is there another story to be told about his third, fourth act in life? Oh, that would be yeah. amazing if there was like I think a, we one talked about, about that a little bit, or something like. That yeah, I think so we cool. talked about that a little bit when we recorded the episode on No Direction Home. Like, I like uh, the Rolling Thunder material is amazing and the footage is incredible and those live performances are insane. But like, you know, I, I, I'm so much more interested at this point in like Sorsese following Bob from 1986 to 1994 or something. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite things I think in all film of the past several years is a moment in, uh, in rolling thunder review where they're asking Bob about, the the the, the you, you probably know what I'm talking about about like that tour and he's trying to do his his shtick and he just drops it and it's yeah. almost like it's shocking to see because he's like I don't remember anything about it right. I don't it, it's like it didn't even happen you know like what do you want me to say it happened so long ago it was like before I was born and he drops his entire he drops his accent that he puts on. He becomes this like he almost looks like a he just kind of reminds me of like a, an old woman. He reminds me of my grandmother. Yeah. Very weird. <laughs> he suddenly mid- looks like my grandmother. School teacher. Yeah. And he's suddenly like, oh, you're just an old man from Minnesota who's been doing a, a shtick for 40 fucking years. Did, 50 yeah, years. just decided to be like a shapeshifter for 50 years. And then it's just yeah. like he, when he's caught off guard, it's back to like. I don't know. That's yeah. I mean that we've talked about it a bunch, but that's really what he is. He's he's a carny. He's a guy from a traveling yeah. circus. He he gets up on stage with next to the bearded lady and the yeah. uh, the the strong man in the speedo, and he just entertains people. And at the and, end of the day, he, he and he I was acts watching, the same way. Yeah, I was watching this clip that it came up in, on YouTube after the notoriously bad show that we're talking about. And it's um, it's also not a very good clip, but it's er- him with Eric Clapton in 1999. Have you seen that clip? It's like him at Madison not, Square no. Garden. It's like I, I can't tell. I think it's an actual Eric Clapton concert, and they bring Bob out for like a chunk to do like a set of Bob Dylan songs. And it's pretty funny because Bob, Bob is like trying to compete with Eric Clapton on soloing, and <laughs> Bob's like pretty good at when like. Some, wait, sometimes he can like lock into like actual like soloing. That's kind of interesting. And I mean, I'm not a fan of Eric Clapton soloing, especially in 1999. Same. You know what I mean? <laughs> it doesn't gel with like the kind of music Bob's making. But 
I think there's this funny thing again, back to like the act and the shtick that he does is there is this like very like conscious effort from Bob to present the, the, this image and present this idea that he's not enjoying himself <laughs> and that it's a drag and that it's lame to even be doing this. Right. But then there's also like, you see shine, you see like moments of like him dropping that where he like is actually smiling. Right. Like he'll, ca- he'll catch, he'll catch Eric and like kind of be amused or he'll see the drummer and he'll kind of like get, you know what I mean? So like, I think he's, he's coming out of his shell. A little bit. I, I was yeah. thinking exactly about this phenomenon, like the other day watching some videos and I noticed that Bob Dylan seems to do this thing. Like he'll smile and then he, he holds that smile for a second longer. And then you think, <laughs> well, is his face just, does he just do that? Was that not like a yeah. smile? Really? He'll <laughs> smile. And then his eyes won't be smiling anymore. But his face is yeah. still up. He's he's still yeah. deciding what what movement to make with his face next. He's, he's yeah, just I can't, frozen. He, I can't decide if it's like it could be it could be polar op- opposites. It could be he really he really does think this is a drag, and he has he's become like a slave to the the road because it like he literally has to to exist. Maybe not even financially, but just as like he doesn't know any other way to be. But it sucks. But he 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 his show brain says i have to act like i'm having a good time every once in a while or if it's right. the exact opposite of that which is you when you see him cracking a smile when you see him enjoying himself that's the truth and the the other stuff is an act i don't I know i can't imagine what life is like for him on the road like is it a great time or is it just he's this is like this is the only thing he knows I mean, I think I, I think he like really does have some sort of like like fundamental addiction to it, uh, and I think right. him cracking a smile every once in a while, I think that really is the real him that's coming through. Because I mean, at this point, he's eighty years old. Yeah, uh, he just sold his entire catalog for three hundred million dollars, and so he's money's got a new, not an issue. He's right. got a new live special coming out in two weeks, basically. Right. Uh, so, like, if he wants, he could fuck off and go and just enjoy Make living gates. in his Malibu mansion compound and work on his iron welding all day. Right. But he, he's he like this is what he knows. This is what he loves. Honestly, it's like I, I, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to flatter you too much, Tim. But I feel like he's got the same kind of thing that you do, where like you just like are are constantly creating and going mm-hmm. in so many different directions throughout your life and like the, what you're doing one year is totally disconnected from what's happening the next year but then you come back to the previous year and the, you know it's just like it's a constant yeah. fire that that takes you from beginning to end i mean not to make this about me but i am <laughs> um i mean that, that's that's like the most resonating thing for him in my life is like to what i picked up on t- 15 years ago as i was kind of like actually getting to do what I wanted to do and making stuff and making stuff that wasn't always popular or making stuff that uh, would annoy my own fans. I was like, oh, this is starting to remind me of the guy I like, you know, <laughs> this guy. And I would see not and I it's so dangerous to start going in this direction because the guy on my on my podcast office hours. At one point I said, I'm like Dylan. And that <laughs> has become a sample at, that they play every <laughs> time i'm like dylan right so i do not equate myself to him in terms of that in terms of talent or you know legend whatever genius levels or anything just in the the simple like work ethic or work sort of philosophy of like a not don't give a shit about what your fans want or 
or uh, think that they like, or don't let that become part of what, the way you think about making stuff. Uh, and and consciously, actively try to 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 challenge what they like, and um, <laughs> and and but not for, not just for cynical reasons to piss people off, but just because that itself is interesting. Yeah, and right. making art it should be a, a constant growth and constant evolution and um, and exciting to the to the artist, and you know that that seems to be like the through line from the very beginning with him, like right away, two years in three years in, he's throwing it all away, throws it all away. Exactly. Uh, and then does that every three years for, for almost ever. So like he, he, I'm not as successful at it. I mean, I, like, but I, I, I have know to interrupt was, you cause I, you're going to only be humble. So I will say that you've done some great <laughs> and hugely, uh, in, impactful things in, uh, the field of, uh, in various fields, but I mean, just like comedy. Well, in general, I, mean, no, but, I mean, listen, I think Bob Dylan, like be, was so successful early on, so big. And I mean, I just mean like commercially successful. Sure. Where yeah, he, right. he got, he, he was, he was able to like, he was a, I mean, back in those days, you know, he was an international star, the likes of Justin Bieber or something now. Like, I'm right. not, like, that doesn't, that's very, very you're hard. Like, you're like one level yeah, below yeah. that. Like, maybe, maybe like half a level below I that. mean, the dude was on, like, the cover of, you know, Life magazine and Time right. magazine. And, like, you know, like, he was known by all at a certain point pretty early in his career. And that does give you, that does give him, it would give an artist, like, the like a lot of leeway i guess but also there's a sort of fearlessness though where like a lot of people i think would see that amount of success for them at such an early age and then just clam up and be afraid to do anything to shake that um so if i'm gonna if just to say that uh no matter what level of success you're at i uh think that what you risk by not being a coward frankly like in your art is um, what's the worst that can happen is, you know, what you should ask yourself. And I guess like the worst is that you put on a few shows like this that we were talking about earlier where people see, (laughs) people feel like they see through you and they, you risk being looking like a fucking weirdo who like doesn't know what they're doing. But ultimately if you keep going, you will dwarf those embarrassing moments with, with greater things. Yeah. You come, you come through the other side. Yeah. And I also think like I put less, I mean, we should all put less preciousness on a live show a guy that's going to be playing for 40 years straight. Like, like there shouldn't be, there should be almost no pressure on him to do anything in that capacity. Like he could go out there by himself and he'd have every right to just sit there and tell stories if he wanted to. He seems to want to go out there and play a certain kind of blues certain kind of early 20th century music with musicians that he enjoys playing with. Like that seems to be what he over and over every year wants to do. So, you know, he's earned that right. I also just like, there are certain live things that I really love about him, but I think John Lennon was like saying about like, Oh, in the seventies, like who, who would you love to see live? And he's like, I don't really like seeing like the things I love about music are the records that I had when I was a kid, you know, like, like those versions of the songs, like I want to hear that. Like I don't need to see these people live in the in the room so much. So yeah. I don't know. I, I 
I think him, I think of him primarily as a recording artist and that's where his genius really is just on display in, in the most brilliant way. But right. Columbia recording artist. Columbia. Bob, Bob Dylan. Dylan. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, I mean, we've talked about that concept a couple of times. Um, you know, when we've done live shows or live records in the past, like what do you want out of a live show? Do you want the studio material just reproduced completely faithfully for you by these people in flesh and blood? Or do you want them to do like, do you want something new out of it? Do you want them to go in a different direction and something like, uh, the Budokan record, which mm-hmm. uh, has been so lambasted critically, um, that I think both of us have, have, uh, have, have, uh, ended up, uh, sort of standing for to a degree. Um, the best, like the best version I think of that, the perfect combination for me personally would be in the Rolling Thunder review, the lonesome death of Hattie Carroll, right. which is a, is a rearrangement of a, one of his, one of my favorite songs of his, but is better than the recording of it because it's the, the live version is so much angrier so much more sort of punk that it fits the lyrics way better than the sort of mournful Woody Guthrie original. Right. Like the, the energy of that live performance is so present and so uh, dangerous and angry that that's, that to me is like the definitive version of that song. You know? Yeah. The Rolling Thunder shows have a whole bunch of songs like that. Like Hattie yeah. Carroll, uh, the live version of um, Hard Rain is turned into yes. this like rousing yes. rocker. And uh, I mean, the, the performance, the performance of Hurricane is like stunning. Yes. It's a, and also like, I guess he's on Coke. I don't know. He's on speed. Maybe he's, on, he's high on life, man. But it could just be adrenaline. But the way <laughs> the way he's like spouting the words out, and there's like a lot. It's a very wordy, but they're perfectly enunciated, perfectly delivered. Yeah, it's just like one of the great whatever great performances of any medium, uh, not just a rock concert, but like as a as just a theatrical performance. Right. That song and Hattie Carroll is just unbelievable. Incredible. And not to keep going on about, I'll just say one more thing about that Rolling Thunder. It is the combination of his performance, the material, the band, but also the magic of 16 millimeter film and the, the, the ability to get so in his uh, under his nose and up in their their faces. They're, they're, they're really, you can't do that. This sounds so nerdy and so like whatever film school dork stuff but you can't do that with digital cameras you can't you can't get that 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 organic life that comes from that zoom into his face with the sweat and the makeup dripping down his face and the eyes darting back and forth like that's such a special uh incredible moment captured uh in that film if you have if you're listening i can't can you imagine if someone's listening to this that hasn't seen that Rolling Thunder review on on Netflix. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, I, I like someone watching that movie after they've they've only seen Ronaldo and Clara. They haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that footage that you mentioned him is just fucking. It's a ama- like the the uh, like ability to just like zoom in on his face and just keep it there for like two minutes straight and just yeah. see everything that happens on his face mm-hmm. is so is it's it's out of this world. It's out of this world. I want to bring it back just briefly to the um, to the the show in 1991, just to maybe run through a little bit more of the set list. I won't list everything that happens, but as it comes to a close, you get uh, everything is broken. I believe in you from uh, the the Christian song. 
Um, I forget which album that is. Uh, Highway 61 Revisited. I forget which album that is from, too. <laughs> uh, what Good Am I, which is a very loaded song in this context. <laughs> and uh, Ballad of a Thin Man. Yeah. The way that he does the transition, um, after after uh, What Good Am I into Ballad of a Thin Man, is was an incredible uh, moment of Bob Banter. Beautiful he moment. says, What Good Am I? What Good Are You? And then he goes into Ballad of a Thin Man. <laughs> So even amidst this wasteland, as some might say, of um, Bob Dylan. My grandfather fought you in the World War. <laughs> we, we beat you. You were Hitler. Continuing that sort of a carny, uh, that carnival metaphor earlier, Bob Dylan sort of lost in the house of mirrors of his own yeah. uh, traveling show in this. Uh, but he's still able to pull out some great little, uh, I mean, that's just such a sick transition. I love that. I like General Patton storming through the Battle of the Bulge, <laughs> taking over Berlin, watching yeah. Hitler shoot himself. I would, I'm gonna do a, I'm gonna do a Bob Dylan World, World War II song. You're pretty good at that. You've got that down pretty I'd, good. I'd say, yes, when he started bombing Pearl Harbor, that's all. <laughs> then everything went to hell. Yeah, definitely. Looking back on World War II, I'm really into the World War II stuff these days. So I think. Okay, yeah, I know you're a uh, you're a big uh, hardcore history fan, right? Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. Let's Bob Dylan talking World War II blues. Yeah, make it twenty five minutes long. <laughs> uh, that would be. I think Dan Carlin should do a Bob Dylan like seventeen part documentary uh, series. Right? I mean, that would be yeah, about about incredible. this show. Yeah, about the, just what <laughs> this happened <one> concert. <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe we'll get Carlin on here next. Uh, all right. Well, I think uh, I think that just about does it for us uh, here. Any uh, any final thoughts or uh, incredible opinions to spit, uh, Tim? What do you think? Three stars. I bet for, you. Uh, no, this is. Uh... <laughs> I, I just wanted to get that 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 other thing that I love about Dylan is like the caginess and the uh, the way he talks to reporters and you know there's that classic. Um, 1966 San Francisco press conference that you can watch. Mm. That's up on. Mm. Yeah, it is just a dream. It is such a treat. He just like the intersection of of like his popularity with the seriousness of the American establishment press. Trying, you know, that never gets old. Him like him realizing almost in real time that like, oh, I could actually have a lot of fun with this situation. Like I, I don't. Yeah. Like. First of all, who the fuck am I? What good am I? Like, uh, who cares what I have to say? Uh, let's have fun and fuck with these people. Is also like that could be considered like, you know, proto Andy Kaufman, proto National Lampoon. Like, just him being out there early. Him, I mean, and a little bit the Beatles, but the Beatles did it in such a cute and kind of unconfrontational way. Right, but, like a safe but, way. Yeah, and and totally like I'm I'm as big a Beatles fan as, as I am a Dylan fan, and and they did it in a great way. But his was a, such a I can't think of, you know, who else was doing that? Who else, like who else was being so kind of uh, playful, but also just you know di- completely disrespectful to this institution of journalism to this sort of. You know, there's so many. He definitely goes over the line at points where you're just like, dude, fucking right. guys, just trying to write a, just trying, trying to, to get do his a, job, just trying to do his job. You know, yeah. 
But that, that's sort of the incredible thing is that he was doing that at the beginning of yeah. his career. He was like already seeing way through everything yeah. like it was just so much t- uh, cellophane yeah. so like the question you you get when you delve deeper is just like well what happens when you had 30 40 50 years past that point where he already thought nothing of the superficial right uh pageantry and uh, that's how get- that's how you end up getting uh one review given or one interview given for an entire album cycle and it goes to the aarp magazine <laughs> <laughs> which one's that uh, that was around the time of Triplicate, I believe, okay. or one of it those was one of the cover records. That, yeah, right, right. That song cycle it features a great quote where he talks about meeting Sinatra, and he says he claims that Sinatra told him, "You know, you and I, we're kind of the same type of guy because we both got blue eyes." <laughs> uh-huh. Sure, like we, you and I were kind of like that. One hundred percent never me. happened. <laughs> no, you and I, Bobby, we got blue eyes. <laughs> All right. Take your word for it. Never take. Well, well, do you have blue eyes, Tim? What's that? Do you have blue eyes, Tim? Yeah, I do. There you go. Me and Bob. There you go. Me, you, Bob. Bob, and Frank. You're a, just the the, the three. You know they, you're the same person throughout your you know throughout what, history. You know what they call? You know what they call me? They call me also old blue eyes. <laughs> blue eyes two two. Not that, no. that have quite the same ring to uh, it. Well, thank you guys for having me. This is a. I, I should not have feared anything. This was a, a, a pure uh, joy to talk to you about. My favorite guy. Thank you. Please, this was uh, the pleasure was all ours. Uh, folks uh, can find you. Uh, our podcast listeners can find you on your podcast, uh, Office Hours. Right? Is there a yeah. particular Twitter handle to follow, or just search uh, Office Hours in the podcast yeah. store? I think at Office Hours Live is the Twitter handle that, that is being used at the moment. You and and uh, on the, the and High Doug. Network as well, and the High uh, Network is High Network. Shout out the High Network. Cinema, all things. Uh, yes, all things on cinema. Yes, looking forward to uh, whatever misadventures you and <laughs> the vile Greg Turkington uh, get up to later. Hey, I'm going to stand up for Greg. By here. the way, I think that, uh, not, sorry, one more thing. We just released a. Uh, I'm also part of the Yellow River Boys, and we released a, which I thought was a very funny little idea. It's kind of being met with a little bit of annoyance, but we. I said, what if we put out a greatest hits album, but it's just every song. From the record, the one record we put out, there's just a, in a different order, and yeah. so Drag City who put that out was into it, and then uh, oh, I love that. So Greg Turkington in, in his real life, not as on Cinema Greg, we kind of he helped me write some of the lyrics to that record, and so to this morning we went on uh, Reddit and did an AMA, which I don't generally like to do because it's just annoying with all like the things Comments, changing. Yeah. But um, we decided that my character was going to be uh, a, the newest member, a guy named Todd Fudge, and Greg was going to be an original member named Duds McNichol or something. And 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 we would answer some questions for a while, but then it would become obvious that my character Todd Fudge hasn't played with the band yet because they've been defi- they have been sort of dormant and doesn't really know about the piss angle or he does but he thinks it's a joke and then throughout the AMA like me Todd and and uh, Dud get into this argument and it leads to like me quitting the band in the AMA <laughs> so if you could find this I'm writing to Greg on the side being like this is actually really funny and no one's going to know about this because no one looks at these stupid things. Um, but in the course of this AMA, you just see this complete. And we're also we're both reading this Grateful Dead book called Fare Thee Well about the post Jerry Garcia 
Grateful wow. Dead. That's I gotta read that. It's fucked up. Those are there's a lot of bad guys in that in that scene. I can imagine. Um, I, I read uh, this is a dream we all dreamed, and that was a good like general oral history. But I'm curious, yeah, what happens after this is there. just like every other page. You're like, oh god, what an asshole. But uh, about many of them. But uh, we were just like, let's make sure that like there's all these other factions, and that there's, there's a group called Yellow River Music <laughs> that's also like no. <laughs> thing where there's like different versions and like oh yeah competing bands and i could do a whole show just on that world of like the post like the classic rock groups that broke up but then got back together with new members and all that stuff it's the best that's what'll happen when one of us ian or i passes away yeah sorry i i just blabbed on about my own stuff but i i just wanted to because it just happened this morning and i just thought what a fun format. Like to, I don't think anyone's ever done an AMA with, on that Indie Heads uh, Reddit subreddit where the band broke up in the middle of the AMA. In the middle, yeah. <laughs> it's a little more interesting than uh, what are your influences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> From like, Reddit how long did Carl. It take to record? Uh, so. uh, Yellow River we'll, Boys. We will definitely put a link. Yeah, to we'll it. put a link in, in the, the Yellow uh, River Boys is one of the in, great piss bands. It it right, uh, it reminds me of uh, this this generation's Wilburys. You guys are uh, yes, just totally. inventing your new personas. <laughs> totally, <laughs> Todd Todd Fudge and Lefty Wilbury. Uh, thanks, Tim. All right, boys. <laughs> Joker man. It's on my last record. Yeah. 